Fantastic. So, yeah, everybody, welcome to another edition of the Neurotech News Hour, which is something that we just started doing for fun. Also, because I think uh, I think Jojo gets kind of flooded with requests to post on our LinkedIn. So we just thought with all of that information that we try to collate in uh, a couple of weeks, um, we just decided to do a bi-weekly kind of event on Clubhouse here just so that we can both inform and engage people. And uh, yeah, so this is our third session. So if there are people in your network that you follow, that you believe that should be here in the room, um, do two things. First is click on the plus symbol at the bottom of the app on the on the screen and get people in. Um, you can invite them uh, they, if, they, if they follow you and you follow them. The second thing is to actually kind of hit the the house symbol next to the Neurotech kind of club, and that way you can actually follow the club. And there are, we actually host some rooms here every other week. And for the last kind of couple of weeks, I think Sharina and Jen French, Sharina Rice, who just finished a PhD at Michigan, and Jen French, who is, uh, who also is, works for Neurotech Reports, they both kind of um, host some rooms saying, meet the people, uh, kind of having patient interviews, etc across multiple disease conditions. So I know they did one last week and there are a couple more slotted. So that way you get alerts whenever things are being scheduled in a given club, if you actually uh, subscribe or follow the club. So make sure that you do that. Um, and uh, this session is recorded. Um, we will actually check with you, Juan Pablo, and, and with Nikki just to make sure that you're okay with anything that has been said uh, before we kind of post it online or anything. But for now, it's purely just to ensure that we can check for things uh, on our end, the hardware side, etc. cetera. Um, so uh, just to make sure that future recordings, etc., work well. So we are actually joined by two guests uh, in the tradition of, of hosting these new Neurotech News Hour. I think what we do is for a couple of um, really good pieces of news um, that we have a chance to kind of listen to people, uh, we kind of subscribe or we ask those uh, those individuals to kind of join us and to provide us some updates. So uh, there have been a couple of other um, both academic as well as industry kind of updates that we had in the last three weeks. And today we are joined uh, by Juan Pablo and Nikki um, Pello. Um, Juan Pablo Mas from Action Potential Venture Capital and Nikki Pello from uh, from Duke University. Um, so with that, I think maybe we'll go to the first news item uh, that we have. The first one is that um, Nikki is actually co-chairing a garden research conference uh, next year. Uh, this is a biannual kind of event uh, that happens every other year. And uh, this is a garden research conference on neuroelectronic interfaces. The last one that was chaired by TK Kozai did not happen because of COVID. Um, so Nikki and another kind of female counterpart of hers are kind of hosting it. So we'll hand it over to Nikki to give an update on what this um, Garden Research Conference is going to be about. And uh, once you have a bit more information, Nikki, I think we'll, we'll kind of share it more widely, but it'll be fantastic to actually hear from you, the chair herself, uh, what is going to happen there. And so uh, the Neuroelectronic Interfaces um, is the title for both the seminar and for the conference. And um, this is its first time, actually, of having a Gordon meeting, which is really exciting. Um, it was scheduled, fully planned, fully booked last year. 
and it didn't happen <laughs> for reasons known to everyone. And so it is rescheduled for next year. Um, the Gordon Research Conference is once again still chaired by uh, TK and Tom. Um, they basically ported over their plans from last year to um, next year. So you can check out the Gordon Research uh, page for that meeting uh, information. Um, and then the seminar, um, we're kind of overhauling. And so uh, the applications are open now. If you would like the opportunity to give an oral presentation, to give a talk, applications are due December 12th. Um, and then all other applications um, to be able to give a poster are due February 12th. And the meeting itself for the seminar is happening March 12th and 13th. And that'll be followed by the full Gordon Research Conference on the same topic, uh, March 13th to 18th. Um, at the same location. And um, I think that's about it. One kind of unique thing about it is that uh, Maria and I will be crafting the program based on the application. So we have kind of a outline in place. Um, but in terms of the detailed session topics, how those will be organized, who gives a talk is entirely based on the applications that we'll be receiving over the next four months. Um, and so uh, the, the applicants really get to drive the content um, based on what abstracts they put forth. So um, I'm just trying to solicit applications because it's a super weird couple years for everyone. And so just want to get the word out for postdocs and PhD students to um, take this opportunity to participate in the inaugural Gordon Research Neuroelectronic Interfaces Seminar. Um, but yeah, happy to take questions if anyone's interested um, in hearing more. Nikki, this is exactly why I wanted to kind of record this and put it out there to the all the listeners of our podcast as well, just to kind of publicize the information pertaining to both the seminar as well as the conference. So yeah, absolutely. We'll we'll try to get our get your word out there as well. And uh, yeah, so Jojo, do you have any questions before uh, we move to any questions from the audience, if they have any? I did, if you want to just, I know GRC, they do so many conferences. And so if there's a, an, a, a direct URL or an abbreviated URL, you can share with us. Otherwise, just email it to us and we'll put it in our, our um, notes with the post. Great. Where, sh where would one share it? I am new to this platform. So is there <laughs> somewhere to share it here or what's um, the recommended method? You can, you can DM Arun or me either through Twitter or LinkedIn, or just send us an email, and we'll make sure it gets out there to everybody. But it, it is Great. searchable on the Gordon Conference site. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the key, I think, really is to tap into neuroelectronic interfaces is the best. Um, if they don't have it under neurotech or, you know, any of the other keywords that we tend to use. So that specific keyword search will get you there. Yeah, neuroelectronic interfaces. There are two of them. There's the seminar and the conference. If you look up Gordon Neuroelectronic Interfaces below with my last name, you'll for sure hit it. Um, and then one other important part of the pitch I didn't even mention is is, is that it will be located in Ventura, California, which um, is a really beautiful setting for the meeting. Um, and when you register for the meeting, the registration includes your room and board. So it's like a one-stop shop. You register for the meeting. It sets you up with the hotel and your food and you have all your meals together with everyone. So you're able to have these kind of continued conversations and meetings with new people. Um, 
So yeah, I will be sure to uh, send you guys the link uh, uh, so that you can share that with the post. It'd be great. It's yeah. definitely, I, I like the format of it because they do give you some sort of time in the afternoons to go and take care of work that always accumulates during a conference day and then mm -hmm. you reconvene at night. I, I may or may not have been given side eye last time I went because I brought a martini into the um, evening session, but um, <laughs> I sat in the back of the room at least, so I, I can't promise I won't do it again. Uh, it sounds great to me. I mean, it's just be, bring me one. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Deal. <clears throat> Yeah, and I think for, for for all the trainees who are probably in the audience, I do see a couple. Uh, I think the Garden Research Conference is a fantastic one. That's probably one where I actually met a couple of individuals who kind of had a big influence on my professional life. Um, one of them is also uh, of podcast guest, Kit Parker, who I kind of met for the very first time at the Garden Research Conference Um Many, many, many years ago. I don't. I. I almost. You might have to listen to the podcast to actually know when, uh, because it'll give away my age there. Not that I'm very young, but uh, still, it's 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 a worthwhile effort to connect with people and and to kind of establish connections with um, with folks in the area. Uh, and, Nikki, and, yeah, go on. Yeah. Go for it. Go for it. Oh, sorry. If you are a trainee, definitely do not bring in a martini. I only <laughs> get to do it because I'm not a scientist, nor am I an engineer. I'm there to make the connections. And then I like to say last time I was there, um, I did get a photo of what I call the Mount Rushmore of, of neurotechnology. So it was five of some of the most influential people in the field. And there, there are opportunities like that all throughout the conference. Um, we went to visit NASA during one of the day trips. It really is a fantastic opportunity on both professionally, <coughs> socially, networking wise. I highly encourage you to look into it. So, Nikki, finally, I think would you? Uh, I think me and Jojo know you really well. We've interacted a few times before, but for the rest of the people in the audience who may not know who you are, Nikki, uh, do you want to kind of give a brief introduction about uh, what you do, where you are, and uh, what type of research that you work on, and especially given some of your funding streams, etc., that enables your work? Uh, because I think it's important we kind of give a shout out to those things as well, because people may not be aware of those work. Yeah, um, thank you. That's a great idea to give a little more context. So, um, as you said, my name is Nikki Polo. Um, I'm actually from Nova Scotia. Um, haven't been there in a little while now, but still home. Um, Go I've Chester. In... <laughs> Wait, why do you know Chester? <laughs> it's a long story. We'll keep okay. it offline, but it's great. great. I love it. Okay, awesome. Um, and so, yeah, I'm from Nova Scotia, but I'm in, in Durham, North Carolina for almost a decade now at Duke University. I did my PhD here with Warren Grill, um, and then I've continued to work in the Grill Lab now as a research director. And so I wear many hats. I um, do computational modeling is where kind of my research journey started. I also do in vivo electrophysiology experiments um, focused on stimulating recording from the vagus nerve. And... Uh, but in addition to that, I advise and mentor and guide a large team of awesome researchers spanning undergrads, master's students, PhD students, postdocs, and staff who are all on different pieces of our project, working on advancing, improving, understanding autonomic nerve stimulation from, from various perspectives. Uh, a large portion of that work is developing 
and applying next-generation computational models, biophysical computational models in particular. Um, but we also have various uh, in vivo projects in the works. And as Arun <coughs> alluded to, um, our project for the past uh, four years now, now, continuing into the coming year, has been funded by the NIH SPARC program. So I'm sure um, some of you are intimately familiar with SPARC already, but uh, in case you haven't heard of it before, SPARC stands for Stimulating Peripheral Activity to Relieve Conditions, so S-P-A-R-C. And it is a funding program out of the NIH's Office of the Director. So it's intended to be across institutes and very multidisciplinary to tackle these objectives and needs to map the autonomic nervous system, develop new technologies to interface with it, and then with those um, pieces of information and advances, develop new therapies to treat diseases through electrical or you know, magnetic ultrasound, other opto stimulation of the autonomic nervous system. And so I've been highly involved and engaged in the SPARC program um, since its early years, both in terms of the research that we've done, but also in terms of aspects of data sharing and uh, tool building and community building. Um, And so we're kind of near the end of our fourth year of the award, starting year five of the award coming. Um, and it's, uh, it's been really great. So that's a, a little bit of, of my background and my ongoing work. Um, I guess one more piece in that is that uh, uh, the Spark, in addition to data sharing, is very, uh, has a very strong culture of collaborative work. And so I have ongoing opportunities to work very closely <clears throat> with uh, researchers at other institutes in the U.S. and, and internationally, um, which has been really great. <clears throat> Um, to bring different perspectives, red team, blue team perspectives, <clears throat> different backgrounds, um, different tool sets. And, and so, yeah, that's a little bit about me and my work. And as someone who actually sits on the data steering committee uh, for the Spark initiative, I can attest to whatever Nikki said about data sharing and data collation, etc. Uh, for sure. So, um, Jojo, should we move on to the next item? Or Nikki, do you have anything, any last words to say there on your piece of news uh no i think that's it um uh y'all can find me on on linkedin nikki pillow um if you want to see the posting with the details for the conference um if you want to send me a message if you have questions that you think of later about it feel free to reach out but thank you otherwise to to both of you for inviting me and and chatting with me yeah, and we'll include the link for the conference uh, in the summary post that we usually do through our kind of podcast LinkedIn page, So, which is Craps on LinkedIn. Um, with that, uh, Jojo, uh, should we move to the next news item? Absolutely. I'll let, I'll let you introduce Juan Pablo. Okay, fantastic. So it's a pleasure to actually uh, kind of have Juan Pablo on Mass on stage. He... Uh, and Imran Iba, who is in the audience, are the two partners of the Action Potential Venture Capital. So Imran, if you want to come up to the stage, please raise your hand. I don't want to put you in a spot by inviting you to speak and you declining me because I would feel really, really bad if you decline my request. Okay. Uh, I think Imran's I, in an outdoor setting. That's, uh, I, I was chatting with him already as well. So that, I mean, that's, that's, probably, that's probably fine uh, if, he's, if he's just listening in. Um, and I thought... I thought he was going to decline your request because there are actually three folks now at APV. 
Yes, actually, four as of yesterday. Um, one of whom is also in the in the audience there, Patrick, uh, who's who's just joined us as a rotational uh, venture lead from <coughs> within GlaxoSmithKline. So he's here with us for for a year. So yeah, it's been uh, it, the the team is starting to grow. But no offense taken there on on the current numbers on the team. Fantastic! No, Thanks. So gotta, yeah, I got to keep up. I got to keep up. I know. I know. You gotta let me give Arun a hard time. It's part of our <laughs> part of our partnership. Cool. So I think the reason uh, why I asked Juan Pablo to kind of come in for the session one because he was gracious enough to actually be there for the last one that we had on Clubhouse. So I felt that I could bother him to actually be on on the um, on the stage here. Number two, they actually had some pretty cool news where one of their portfolio companies actually raised probably one of the biggest rounds in the entire kind of med tech industry that I know of for the series, uh, which was around, if I remember correctly, 220 million round uh, series B, if I'm correct, Juan Pablo, but I'm sure you, you will kind of give us all the information, which was a company called Echo. And you kind of covered very, very briefly about that in our podcast when you kind of went through the entire portfolio. So for folks who haven't listened to things about Juan Pablo and what they do at Action Potential, um, please go and listen to it. But over to you, Juan Pablo, at, for the update on the news uh, here about the uh, round for Echo, which is to the tune of around $220 million. Yeah, thanks for having me on. And um, actually, this is my first Clubhouse uh, speaking engagement, so appreciate the, the invite. Um, you're you're right. So the Echo um, recent financing was a was a Series C financing, 220 million Series C. Uh, we at Action Potential led the Series B plus financing in 2020, uh, and so this was a nice uh, opportunistic raise that really helps drive the company forward. And what is actually predominantly a, a diagnostic. Um, uh, you know, go-to-market story, which is different than most of the rest of our portfolio, uh, which tend to be therapeutic neuromod, um, you know, by by scope of our fund. Um, and for those of you that don't know, Action Potential Venture Capital is um, a venture capital arm of GlaxoSmithKline, focused on, on you know, this emerging area of, uh, actually no longer so, mu so much emerging, but now growing area of bioelectronic medicines and, and therapeutic neuromodulation. So, um, so Echo is a bit of a, um, you know, a different story and I can give background on what they do for those that don't know, but, um, but the financing was, was tremendous, uh, very, you know, very much indicative of the, of the appetite to fund point of care, handheld ultrasound at a high quality and a, and a, um, more, um, accessible price point to sort of democratize medical imaging um, globally and, and in very sort of uh, different care settings than historically what, what uh, ultrasound has been used in. So that's the super high level, but happy to give more detail, Arun or Jojo, and, and or take your lead on cues if there's certain... Yeah, bef like before we ask you to do that, Juan Pablo, I'll just reset the room here because we just have a few people who just joined recently. So mm -hmm. resetting is basically a clubhouse term, apparently. I was, I was informed... At, uh, by somebody that resetting is basically the one where we inform the newly joined people in the in the room about what the room is. So welcome to the Scraps Neurotech News Hour. Uh, it is hosted by myself, Arun Sridhar and Jojo Platt. We both are co-producers and co-hosts of 
uh, a podcast called Scraps, which is about stories of scientific brilliance. So it's sparks of uh, of scientific brilliance, sparks spelled backwards is scraps, and also because we write ideas on scraps of paper. So it's scraps with a K. Um, having said that, I think uh, what we're talking about uh, during this bi-weekly kind of clubhouse event in the Neurotech Club, so feel free to go ahead and, and follow the Neurotech Club by pressing the uh, the the greenhouse symbol at the top uh, next to the Neurotech Club name. And uh, we're speaking with Juan Pablo Mas, who is a, a venture partner at Action Potential Venture Capital. And he's just giving us an update on one of their latest financing rounds in uh, Echo, a company called Echo, which is spelled as EXO. Uh, Juan Pablo, do you want to tell us a bit more about what Echo does? Uh, we know that it is a diagnostic ultrasound company, but tell us a bit more about why that is important. Sure, absolutely. And, and while you were talking there, I looked up uh, the rules for for call signs uh, being announced on radio stations because what you did remind me of that. And apparently that's, if you don't do it on the radio, you could be subject to a $10,000 fine and or one year federal imprisonment. So I'm glad you took the clubhouse rules seriously if they if FCC regulates. Um, but, you know, on Echo, uh, the, you know, the, the, the core technology is um, something called uh, piezo micro uh, machined uh, ultrasound technology, PMUT technology, and is essentially, uh, you know, ultrasound on a chip um, that drives manufacturing efficiencies and reliability um, and, and, and cost effectiveness uh, based on the semiconductor industry manufacturing uh, processes. And that, in fact, is what the team's background was prior to um, developing this, this particular chip technology and beginning um, to found a uh, point-of-care handheld diagnostic ultrasound company. Our interest, you know, came at this from uh, a lot of really interesting research, in fact, um, that we were seeing from some grant-funded um, uh, proof-of-concept uh, work in animals to treat a variety of conditions using non-invasive um, therapeutic ultrasound to stimulate nerves, uh, stimulate organs, and um, modulate disease activity in animals and increasingly in humans and you know folks like Hubert on the line who uh, are doing great work um, are folks that you know uh, are very familiar and, and, and have driven some of that th those uh, learnings and, and we were seeing this from various angles um, at a time when uh, we too were doing a technology evaluation on some of the comparison of this, you know, enabling technologies such as this PMUT chip um, developed by Echo. And so we viewed this as sort of a, a, a gating item that would open up a, a whole other category of bioelectronic medicines beyond direct uh, electrical uh, stimulation of nerves, which, um, you know, also afforded, in theory, the ability to uh, monitor and, 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 and sort of um, steer uh, the energy delivery itself to the nerve uh, to allow for ambulatory applications where a patient may wear a patch, ultrasound on a chip patch, um, and and you know take their uh, wearable neuromod with them as as is done by some um, current you know devices like Cala, another portfolio company of ours using electrical stimulation. So so that was the the initial premise for our interest. Um, we subsequently became very 
passionate about their first go-to-market, which is, again, in this handheld point-of-care uh, diagnostic ultrasound. Um, and there's a company called Butterfly Network, which, you know, is now commercial um, at the time, you know, had not sort of uh, announced earnings and, and wasn't clear exactly how they would do and how the market would take uh, on that product. But um, their lower price point and, uh, you know, uh, current you know, sort of future facing design uh, interface, both on the device and the, and the user interface app, app side, um, you know, also kind of established that as a, as a really interesting market. And I think they did something like 30 million in their first year of, of, of sales. Um, and largely that was driven by online sales by physicians swiping their credit cards and, um, and or med school students, you know, who are now more increasingly trained on uh, the use of ultrasound in a variety of settings um, for differential diagnoses and such, including in the ER and other places. Um, you know, that, that was largely the uptake uh, of that device. And so back to sort of democratizing medical imaging, and we hope democratizing access to therapeutic ultrasound, um, you know, that was really the, the what drove APBC to to invest and lead the round. Um, and it is part of a bigger initiative of ours to also broaden our own definition of bioelectronic medicines, which um, I'm not suggesting should be the industry's definition, because I think um, it's more about what, what our fund, you know, will we'll invest in and what, what uh, gets us excited about therapeutic, um, new, new therapeutics in this category. Historically, we've been you know, really focused on electricity as medicine. Um, but I think as Nikki mentioned with Spark and other initiatives in the industry, where I, I don't think we are, uh, have religion around pure, purely, you know, current and electricity being the driver of, of, um, of a particular therapeutic to modulate a, a nerve or an organ or a cell for that matter. Um, and, and we are more broadly describing our kind of focus as energy as medicine um, to include things like ultrasound, electromagnetics, uh, you know, light and optogenetics as mentioned as well. So, you know, that is, um, that is something we've begun to invest in as well, even beyond echo, although we have yet to sort of announce one of our investments, which also has um, a broader, um, you know, mechanism of action or modality, energy modality to, to, to drive the mechanism. Um, so, so yeah, so by and large, that, that is what drove us to invest in echo imaging. I think the future in the use of ultrasound in particular is really um, exciting that, that we've seen a variety of focused ultrasound applications that drive, um, uh, you know, therapeutic benefit based on tissue uh, uh, denervation or tissue ablation uh, in SciTech, you know, large capital equipment type of a product, but um, a variety of uh, indications used there. We, we've historically um, seen a lot of really interesting academic uh, pursuits to do things like open the blood-brain barrier uh, to allow for drug delivery and hard-to-treat um, uh, CNS conditions. And so, um, you know, I think the list goes on and on. As we started seeing more and more really interesting applications, we decided that uh, an enabling technology investment made a lot of sense for us. And thankfully, that company has continued to attract investor interest and we think um, is going to serve a really large uh, market opportunity. You know, and I guess before I uh, pause here, I'll mention two other things I failed to mention beyond the uh, the, the ultrasound on a chip technology that Echo has developed, which we think is sort of the... Uh, you know, the, the foundation of the business, um, the, 
you know, two key elements that really took note that we, we took note of, and I think speak to how the future of, of kind of fully integrated, vertically integrated businesses um, for the healthcare system will succeed. You know, one is integration into IT systems so that, uh, you know, patient records and reimbursement and other things are able to um, happen seamlessly and, um, and, and allow for uh, more broad use within a, a hospital setting or care delivery setting. Um, and so the company has launched um, a, a, a SaaS product, uh, Echo Works, which, you know, is um, trying to remember what we have announced on it versus what is still yet to be announced. So I won't give too many details j- just yet on what that device, that product, rather that software product, will uh, will do specifically. But you know, certainly uh, is what ties you know the hardware, the the app. Um, and the patient's images um, to the hospital system and allows for for the ability to to, to get paid on those scans and such. And then secondly, you know, historically ultrasound imaging has required a high degree of skill and training um, and is not intuitive when you, anyone who's who's played around with an ultrasound machine or looked at their own ultrasounds, um, you know, requires a special eye that's been been trained to interpret structures and so forth. And so, you know, the advent of uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning that has led to, you know, is particularly um, uh, beneficial when looking at, when, when you think about uh, medical imaging in terms of uh, allowing for those data sets to be kind of, uh, uh, to be useful, I'll, I'll put it that way simply, um, you know, the, there are a variety of applications that we we have seen. Um, Caption Health is a good example of companies focused on uh, improving the interpret uh, the interpretation of cardiac images with ultrasound and so forth. Um, and so that too leads to not just the pr- lower price point, um, but the, the the use of purpose built um, uh, procedure. Uh, focused uh, software applications to lay on top of the soft of the hardware also drives use, uh, and I think for therapeutic uh, applications that'll be the next phase. So, so those are a variety of the reasons we we got particularly excited in Echo, and and um, in this last round brought in some major crossover investors and um, Butterfly Network. For those who aren't familiar, which is the company I referenced before, is now a two billion plus market cap company that went public through uh, a SPAC or a DSPAC uh, process last year, and um, I think has continued to generate considerable revenue and 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 you know start to redefine a little bit more about what point of care uh, healthcare looks like. So so I think uh, just wanted to give all that background. Hopefully that's helpful. I think you're actually being pretty humble when when you were talking just a few minutes ago about the um, ability to continue to attract investment. I'm looking at even just the highlighted, you know, the, the big name or, or um, funding announcements that have come up even since June. You've got CVRX with a $120 million IPO, Nixoa, $87 million IPO, Tivic looks like a $16 million IPO. You've got Series C for Nuspera at $65 million, Neuralink at $205 million. Um, Series B, you've got uh, Paradromics at $20 million, and then Peter Thiel investing $10 million in BlackRock. Your $15 million 
in this round alone, which is, you know, second up is Neuralink, also in a Series C at 205. And out of even just this small sample of, of funding and, and IPOs, Echo represents 25% of that astounding amount of almost $800 million. That's So I'd, I'd, I think this yeah. is more than just... <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a. It's, I think we need to lose a little bit of the humility because this is this is huge. It's massive, even by our standards. Yeah, no, it's it's. I mean, even listening to the list there of companies, it's it's fun to hear where we are today versus where the Neuromod industry was a couple years ago, uh, or even longer for those of us who've been around longer. You know, um, it's extremely encouraging. I think it's great to see this. One thing that's driving it, the two things I think that are really the biggest drivers are certainly performance by public companies. Uh, the Neuromod companies in, in the public markets have large, by and large done well. I mean, there have been examples of companies that haven't done as well. Um, but I think for those of us in the field, might have that might have been a bit somewhat predictable. Um, and, you know, the the exuberance around biotech uh, IPOs have left a lot of public investors on the sidelines and so get, you know not able to get the allocation they want in those deals and, and, and medical devices have historically been a very reliable source maybe not as um, high in upside as some of the biotech uh, IPOs but very reliable and, and steady over the years and um, I think increasingly valued by more generalist investors as an important part of the um, of our of our economy and, and of our healthcare in general is given, given COVID. Um, you know, I think the interest by tech companies who are, um, or technologists more generally, even if individuals, as you cited, um, in, in sort of, sort of the frontier that neuromodulation, the brain, um, represents, not just because it's another really hard problem that affects us all, um, but also because of the vast amount of data and, um, you, you know, sort of uh, ability to interface with other uh, t tools we, we use now on a daily basis in our lives. So for all those reasons, and, and, the, and the technologists um, draw to brain-machine interfaces and, and Elon Musk and Neuralink, you know, uh, and Peter Thiel now and so forth, those those get a lot of the press. Um, but, but, you know, just... Um, you know, with with companies like Echo uh, attracting both investment from BlackRock's um, healthcare side of their fund, as well as their technology side of their fund, independently, those decisions were made. Um, really speaks to how you know h how companies are 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 appealing to both sets of types of investors um, and represent kind of the the intersection that I think will drive not just major financings, but ultimately, you know, products and technologies that become um, household names and that become, have lasting ability to, uh, to deliver their, their products, but also become future acquirers of some of the next generation technologies, um, as we've seen with, you know, Google Verily as an example and other, other things, uh, they have that potential. So, um, so yeah, I, I think you're totally right. At CVRX, you mentioned too. We were in, we are an investor in CVRX, uh, which was another great um, 
you know, outcome and, and financing event for that company uh, that's seen so many ups and downs over the years, but really d- represents uh, the first sort of autonomic um, neurostimulation, neuromodulation technology to, um, you know, first receive breakthrough designation, uh, you know, more recently uh, file for a successful IPO and, and raise significant capital too. So, so it's, it is exciting. Um, and I think a testament to the work that you know a lot of the folks in this community have have known and done and and and, and you know sort of driven over the years. Right. So, a new spare is also an APV portfolio company. But one one just quick mind blowing stat that I want to put out there is the the nine companies that I just I just mentioned represent more since June than the GDP of the entire state of Pennsylvania. <laughs> I just I, I want you to pat yourself on the back and feel impressed because it's it's uh, it's outstanding. There is one more thing as well, Jojo, which I think uh, I, I think APVC folks actually have um, talk about movers and shakers. I think they have, and the APVC and the APVC portfolio of companies have always upset Elon uh, quite a bit because I think Callahell raised their Series B at the same time as what Neuralink did the last time, and they kind of had. Neuralink had an undersubscribed Series B, but Kala, I think, had an oversubscribed. Oversubscribed. Uh, and yeah, now exactly. they're basically upsetting uh, Neuralink again with the Echo race as well. So uh, anyway, th- that's basically <laughs> just just uh, just gossip for for what it's worth. Uh, yeah. I don't even. It's funny to think that there may be uh, folks who take offense to those things, but I think by and large, people are very excited to see capital going into the field. It helps even validate. You know, when, when investors, I don't know what Elon Musk is thinking or others, but when investors see themselves, you know, are, are themselves investing in a space and then they see uh, others investing in that same space with large checks, you know, I think it gives people a sense of like, you know, we, we were right to get here first and we're, um, and, 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 you know, I, I think there's certainly a playbook that could be run by Neuralink. Um, to attract a broader set of investors, um, I don't know that that's their priority. I think that they've, you know, got uh, got a way of, of doing things, and and and, and maybe right over time. Um, but uh, but it is exciting to see sort of the, the the type of capital, the type of investment, and frankly, all of us hope to see just great success by the public companies and more um, big ticket acquisitions in this field that will only further fuel it and attract other, um, you know, funders and, and acquirers uh, to help drive the innovation, uh, including pharma, you know, which we've seen some acquisitions of companies like IOTA and Recor, which were medical device companies acquired by pharmaceutical companies, um, which is, is just a further testament uh, to the, the excitement around this field. Yeah, and I think and I think it's it as you said it's it's a great thing that that things are actually coming in. There is more awareness, and people are actually kind of exploring this from a funding perspective with greater amounts of money that are being poured into the area. It is testament to the fact that this is not a fad and it's here to stay, and and it's here to stay in a big way. Um, which actually kind of brings me that the other one, the other news that we had was the fact that. Um, the Merck kind of collaboration with with a graphene uh, consortium company um, in Rain to form Inervia uh, and and Merck collaboration itself. I think uh, we had Carolina Aguilar last time uh, when we had the session uh, kind of talk about that in great detail as well. So 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the other questions as a follow-up that I had, Juan Pablo, while we have you here on stage, which I think would be a fantastic thing, especially for the trainees in the audience and also for uh, for people like Hubert and Khalid and, and others who are in the area here as entrepreneurs. Uh, it'll be fantastic to actually hear your take on some of the more kind of interesting ways where um, neuromod companies, you can call it medtech, but essentially um, neuromodulation companies seem to be raising uh, their capital at a much more earlier stage through the IPO mechanism, uh, which especially recently it was an Ixoa kind of IPO with around 25 patients or so uh, with their proprietary device. They've been in the market or developing the product for quite a while. We do know that, but uh, it'd be fantastic to actually hear about what you believe and uh, in terms of uh, the the signers for things to come based on the Nixova kind of IPO for other things in the uh, for other companies in the area is this uh, a trend that we are going to see well um, I, I think it's a really important trend certainly historically medical device companies generally were only able to IPO after um, you know, generating revenue of approximately, I don't know, somewhere between 20 and 40 million, roughly speaking. And that's quite a barrier for companies that are developing anything novel because unless reimbursement codes um, and and payment are reliable and, you know, it, it takes quite some time to build that type of a revenue, um, annual revenue rate. So the fact that increasingly medical device companies and Irmod companies are able to get public um prior to generating that level of revenue and in, is, is really, um, you know, opens the door and reduces the number of, or sort of the dependence on a limited set of acquirers as an exit for a company or as a financing vehicle for a company. So it's extremely important um, dynamic. And I think it's a function of the things we talked about a minute ago uh, around sort of the investor uh, interest in this category and the performance of the companies. Um, and and I think Nixoa is an example of one of the, you know, one of the, the dynamics that make it easier for some companies to, to go public and also see um, major valuation step-ups. And that's, you know, existing developed markets becoming second to market can oftentimes be a really um uh you know sort of a, a positive thing for a company uh, as we saw with you know axonics going into uh, urinary incontinence and sacral nerve stimulation behind Medtronic's interstim device um you know a sleepy market uh in the sense that it had not seen competition um, or major innovation product innovation in in many, many years, um, and Axonics was able to come in with a product um, and, and draft off of that lead in a way that, you know, if you follow their market cap, it certainly was a much faster um, growth story, and, and that valuation is, is sort of baked into their price um, in a way that wasn't the case for, um, you know, for, for switching over to sleep as the analogy to, to in, for Inspire, right? You know, they had to grind to get reimbursement codes. Um, or not codes rather, but reimbursement coverage decisions, and um, and and that you know I think is what is partly fueling the Nixoa excitement and the the interest in that as another uh, opportunity to draft off of a market leader who's doing a lot of the heavy lifting and and um, and you see the 
you know, the market cap reflect that in a much earlier basis. I mean, I think on the, it's quite early. It's, it's astoundingly early for Nixoa. Um, but I think, I think those are some of the dynamics and, and, you know, I think that is a bit of the conundrum, um, that we as a industry face is, and, and, and back to reimbursement, it really is dictated a lot why, uh, on reimbursement, why some companies get funded early. Some companies have the ability to IPO early and others take much, much longer and, um, require a lot more capital. Oftentimes those companies are just taking on more uh, risk and trying to do something really fundamentally innovative, which doesn't end at just the science or the clinical data, um, but also, you know, it's innovative suddenly once you get to market and have approval um, and, and, and re require some reimbursement um, innovation. And so all those things stack to make those harder, but we believe, and it's why we invest in the, in this space that for the really big opportunities, um, those th that effort and that time and, and, and risk is, is worthwhile and it's what drives this field to grow longer term, not just um, for, for near-term value capture. Um, so, so I think that's, that's my view on what's driven some of these early IPOs. It's, there's always been a bit of a double standard between medtech and biotech um, in terms of when they can go public and how much value they generate. Um, and again, some of that really does come back to reimbursement. Um, so why MCIT, this decision to, you know, breakthrough device, um, you know, four years of coverage for breakthrough devices based on the MCIT, uh, you know, rule that's being considered now by CMS um, could also be extremely important for, for just that reason, for, for these breakthrough devices that are serving, you know, real clinical needs and market needs. Um, that's that reimbursement that's uh, that could be, guaranteed for four years um, really helps give investor confidence to come in earlier and invest in, in novel uh, uh, technologies and, and therapies. That's great, Juan Pablo. Thank you. So I think for for everybody, I think Juan Pablo gave a great summary for the uh, regarding one of his portfolio company's recent uh, CDC raises of around $220 million, uh, and the company is Echo. Um, if there are any questions for Juan Pablo, please raise your hand. We'll let you up on stage. The only requirement that we ask for is for your profile to be filled up and you have a profile picture uh, so we know who you are. Uh, at least one sentence in your profile description would be useful for us. Um, with that, uh, Juan Pablo, is it okay if we move to the next bit of news items, if uh, if that's okay? Of course. Okay, Fantastic. So the other news item uh, is uh, regarding Synchron. So Jojo, do you want to cover that? Sure. I think this is um, the other, the only really non-financial news this week, which is um, Synchron getting FDA approval for their studies. Um, they also recently completed some funding that was pretty substantial, uh, but they got the, the green light to begin their breakthrough trial of their um, Stentro device. So that'll be um, taking place. They'll be recruiting soon. Um, and it'll be interesting to keep an eye on, on how that goes and where, when and where they present their data and their findings. So um, they're representing a $20 billion market opportunity for Synchron and um, it, using the, the vascular system um, to introduce a, a brain-computer interface as opposed to the typical Utah Ray um, 
going directly into the brain is a, is a novel approach, and they're getting a lot of attention for it. Fantastic. I think then we have a couple more kind of... Uh, Juan Pablo, are you going to say something there? Sorry. No, I just think the world of uh, Tom Oxley and, and that company, and I'm hopeful that they're... I was really glad to see that they pulled together a strong round and got that IDE study approval. And um, I think, you know, brain machine interfaces is sort of that more speculative side of our industry where, you know, people, I think, generally agree it's an important um, uh, technology and that it will come to fruition. I think the biggest question is when will it broadly um, be adopted? And, and I think, um, and in the near term, the clinical benefit is what everybody is rightly so, you know, focused on. And so, um, you know, that sort of uh, less invasive uh, technology that, that Synchron is developing is, is really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're not there to control people's mind just yet uh, for all the crazy things that people are actually imagining that they will be used for anyway. Um, <laughs> With, with that, with Facebook around elections. <laughs> so the next kind of the last couple of items that we have are um, are another IPO, uh, a smaller IPO, uh, but definitely something that pertains to the area of bioelectronic medicines is a company called Tivic Health, which basically has uh, a class two device that stimulates the trigeminal nerve for the treatment of kind of sinus pain, um, which they just had an IPO recently uh, in the last couple of weeks. So that is something that we wanted to kind of um, kind of let everybody know. And then, uh, Jojo, there was another company as well, which actually garnered 50 million. Uh, do you want to go with that news? Yeah, I think I just, I just want to stick with Tivik for one more minute quickly. I know we're running tight on time here, but um, Jen, really, Jen Ernst, Jennifer Ernst, uh, the CEO, and Blake Gerfine, they really did a fantastic job with this company. They did something that was, you know, pretty much unheard of. They went from concept to, I believe, commercial deployment in around three years. So they went over the counter. Um, there, you can buy them at CVS and Walgreens and, um, and I think Amazon, pretty much anywhere. And I think that's a that's been an approach that I know a lot of my clients have been been looking at as a possibility of mirroring that go-to-market approach. Um, and, and I just really want to commend Jen for doing such a fantastic job with this. She, she moved mountains to make this happen. And um, it, it's, it's unfortunate that a $16 million IPO is... is <laughs> we just got the, the big clap there. <laughs> oh my gosh, she cracked me up. Okay, but $16 million is nothing to sneeze at, and uh, that was an in intentional pun. Um, so we, we covered Echo. Um, one of the ones that's interesting um, to look at is the... Um, sorry, I, I have too many windows open here. Um, it's the... Brain Technologies. Yeah, sorry, Brain Technologies. Um, they raised $50 million, and they're kind of interesting to me. And I understand press releases were meant for the general public, um, but some of the buzzwords that they that they use, um, saying their mission is to humanize technology, um, 
it feels a little soft to me, but one of the notable investors in the round is um, Lorene Powell Jobs, um, former wife of Steve Jobs. So I thought that was interesting to see her jumping in um, along with Scott Cook and WTT Investments. Um, so I don't know, Arun, if you have anything more to say on this one, but $50 million is pretty, pretty serious. Well, the only thing that I have to say is the fact that the the field of, of neurotech and bioelectronic medicines is getting some serious attention, right? I mean, in terms of of kind of companies, uh, just in the last kind of three sessions, there's a fourth one that we've had. I mean, just in, 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 the part, in the scope of like last month and a half that we've run this, we've actually seen almost news of funding rounds of multiple companies across various stages, brain, spinal cord, technology, materials, uh, IPO for novel therapy, uh, uh, novel devices like Neospera, uh, raising their round, things like um, non-electrical kind of um, modalities like um, like Echo, um, Hubert's kind of tinnitus treatment getting its kind of commercial approval in the UK uh, to go through the NHS, etc. I mean, all of that is just fantastic, fantastic news that uh, the field of neurotech is just beyond just brain uh, stimulation. Uh, I think uh, that is hogging a lot of the limelight, but I think there's a lot more investments that are actually going on. So for people who are actually studying uh, either neurologists or neurosurgeons or neuroscientists in the audience, uh, which are primary kind of membership of the Neurotech Club, uh, I think the field is very, very rosy uh, here for biotech. So this is probably the right time to actually start building your contacts and other things in and getting your foot in the door, I must say. Don't, don't forget the engineers. We love engineers. Engineers, yeah, of course, of course. Uh, <laughs> scientists get there first. I was recently told just last week by somebody that scientists like to get there first, but engineers, nobody cares about getting there first. It's about making the device that it works every single time. So uh, novelty is no Thanks more. For yeah. Thanks for the shout out, Jojo. <laughs> I, ca- I got to keep him honest. Well, if we don't, yeah. if we don't, he'll he'll go full on cardiac on us. Well, biomed- <laughs> biomedical engineering is still kind of half biology anyway. So, without biology, there is no engineering uh, for human health. Uh, anyway, that, that's my bias. Uh, but but anyway, it's a fantastic uh, it's a fantastic news and and great opportunity. So, uh, really, I think uh, the only last shout out that we have is for people to actually go out and probably listen to some of the episodes of our podcast, both of the Scraps podcast and also the 10 episode kind of limited uh, series that we are doing on psychedelics. Because while this community is very focused on on the neurotech aspects of it, I think there's a whole new area, which I'm very, very happy to see that some of the medtech companies, etc., uh, at this point of time with their IPO rounds are actually following uh, some of the rounds that the psychedelic companies are actually garnering pretty early on in their journey. So uh, it's it's a fantastic kind of intellectual journey for both of us. And we kind of put that out. We will be releasing episode eight later this week. Uh, that's on depression and alcohol addiction. Um, and then we have the last two ones, which are very, very juicy, which focuses on new innovation and investors and commercialization of psychedelic um, kind of science and psychedelic products, uh, which should be uh, a great two episodes, which I must say I'm pretty bullish on it. None of the podcast, everybody kind of talks about, hey, it's great, it treats and everything, but nobody will actually cover it the way 
we will actually do in the last two episodes, really looking forward to where the innovation aspects might actually be. So if you're a neuro- neuroscientist, an engineer, uh, whether you like kernel uh, or you believe in it or you have other new technologies to kind of look at what psychedelics actually do to the brain and cure many mental health disorders, this is a podcast that you might actually want to listen to. So it's on psychedelics.com. Uh, and uh, with that, I I think we're almost done here on time. Jojo, no, no, do you no, have anything no. else? No, I, I have one last pitch, especially to the to the students or people who are in touch um, with students, is that the Cleveland Neurodesign Entrepreneurs Workshop um, applications are due on Friday. And that's a fantastic event we're hosting in Cleveland. Um, outstanding faculty, um, phenomenal students um, from last time. Every We've had people who have, have actually started a spin out from the last experience. Several students who attended last time have their current positions as a result of the connections that they made there. It's a lot of hard work, but it's amazingly fun and um, productive. So if you want to apply for that, it's Cleveland Neurodesign Workshop. Um, and I believe it's clevelandneurodesign.org. So those that date is this Friday. And I'm done. Thank you. Fantastic, Jojo. Nikki, thank you so much. And say hello to, to Chris Langdale uh, for me uh, because he's he's a good friend. I haven't and spoken Warren. to him in a while. And Warren, of course. Warren. And Warren, of course. Will do. I'm on it. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Thank you so much. And uh, thanks, everybody. We will meet again in a couple of weeks. And on account of one two and three. We will close the room now. Thank you all.